Welcome back to the Movie Vault. I'm Ben Stanhope. And I'm Zach Lee Wald. And today we are talking about, uh, well, well, let's start off with a question. Zach, if you had to turn into an animal, if you were being forced to turn into an animal, what animal would you choose to be turned into? Mm, I would probably choose a cephalopod. I, I wish I was smart and knew what a cephalopod was. It's not anything special. Okay. Um, I would choose, uh, I don't know. I, this is a difficult question because Ben would be an owl. Oh, yes. He has that personality. Okay. I'd be an owl. <laughs> what, what, what is the owl personality? What like is, Harry Potter. I don't know. Like a, like a wizard comes to it for advice. Oh, I see. Computer. The, uh, like the, the wise guy that you come to for philosophy that will just talk to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I would do that. Whether or not the advice that you would get from the owl would be uh, fruitful or beneficial in your life, that could probably be debated, but I could definitely talk. Yeah. I could definitely say some words. That's true. Everybody knows that <laughs> because they listen to us. Well, we won't keep you waiting any longer. Uh, today we are going to review a very special movie in my heart. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't word it like that. Um, the Lobster. <laughs> Yeah, what, what do you mean by that, Ben? I know. People might think I'm, I'm strange if I start talking that fondly about this movie. The Lobster is a, a movie directed by Greek uh, director Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, it, it came out in 2015, and it sort of made the rounds on on the, the film festival circuit. Uh, it's, it competed for the Palme d'Or, which is uh, probably second most to the academy awards the most important award you can receive probably to some people they would argue the palme d'or is more important than winning you know best best film at the oscars but for american audiences it, it's second at, at, i believe it's Cannes film festival uh in france and it did not win the palme d'or but it won the jury prize which i'd never heard of but it's a, an award that's intended to recognize an original work that embodies the spirit of inquiry. So this movie is pretty inquirious. In, <laughs> I, how do you what, how do you say that? Inquirious. I, don't know. <laughs> I would say so. It also uh, it made it around to some other film festivals that I'm sure are equally as uh, Sundance. I don't know that it went to Sundance, but uh, those those type of film festivals. It is definitely an artsy fartsy kind of movie. That's what one of the reviews says. An artsy fartsy movie. Yeah, because it's not like a regular movie. It's gonna, like you said, what's the, your favorite? He's not one. Of, he's one of your favorites, right? The Greek uh, director. What's his name? Yorgos Lanthimos. Is he one of your favorite directors? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, if we're talking like top fifteen, he'd okay. probably be in there. So I'd say that's in your favorite directors, but it's <clears throat> like you. I think you've mentioned before a long time ago. We watched this movie a long time ago. I didn't watch it with you, but you recommended it and I watched it. Um, but you said that he makes kind of weird movies like this that kind of make you think. And I mean, really, movies these days don't make you think that much unless, you know, they have a cool thing to say at the end, like a, like a, like a nice quip. But this movie makes you think a lot. Whether or not those thoughts are good or bad is for your own interpretation. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, Ben and I will probably disagree, but that's okay. Yes. So I think for, for most people, I'm not expecting most of our audience to necessarily go out and watch this movie. And I will say, uh, make sure that you know what you're getting into before you watch it. Um, it just because we review it doesn't mean we necessarily give it a sparkling recommendation, is what I would say. <laughs> uh, but it, defi it definitely promotes 
uh, it will promote an interesting conversation. So I'm going to give you a review, uh, not a review actually, it's more of a, a synopsis or a, a small uh, explanation of what the movie's about. Written by a guy on IMDb named Hugo, so I'm sure it's uh, pretty, pretty <laughs> accurate and to the point. So it says, in a dystopian society, David, whose wife has just left him, is sent to a hotel for singles in the country. The strict hotel rules are meant in a clinical fashion to foster love as everyone in the society, regardless of orientation, is to be paired up romantically. There are harsh punishments for anyone who breaks these rules. And like the others, if David does not find love at the hotel within 45 days, he will be surgically transformed into an animal of his own choice, David's being a lobster. This transformation is not meant to be a punishment, but rather another opportunity to find love as another species. Bob, the dog that David, that David brings to the hotel, was in fact David's brother in his human life. David will discover that in his search for love, uh, wait, that his search for love is dependent on the other people at the hotel, each of who has his or her own agenda to do uh, in what to do if true love cannot be found within the, their time limit. Unaware of, wait, <laughs> unaware of it upon his arrival at the hotel, David will also learn that there is a bunch of anarchists who live in the woods, many of those being escapees from the hotel. The anarchists do not tolerate coupling in any form within their group, except as a ruse whenever they need to assimilate themselves into city life. But as one cannot automatically turn on the emotional traps to find true love at the hotel, one cannot automatically turn off these taps uh, in order to be among the anarchists. So I think this... It's not going to make any sense this, to anyone. This sort of uh, gets at some of the points, but it, it certainly doesn't describe the whole movie. I think the main thing that you want to pay attention to is that uh, is the part where in this society you must be a couple. So the they don't really explain the mechanics of how that works, and that's probably good that the movie doesn't delve into that because that would just get way too... Uh, cluttered with information uh, but you have to be in a romantic relationship so if for whatever reason your romantic relationship doesn't work out you must find love in a new form but there's a strict time limit you only have 45 days now that they don't say is that in the anarchists um, are actually used as motivation to get more days if you hunt the anarchists and shoot them with tranquilizers you get an extra day for each anarchist that you that you shoot. So there's this whole there's a bunch of things they do at the hotel. Um, now I'm not exactly sure the best way to attack this, but maybe we should start like with the big picture. What is Yorgos Lanthimos <clears throat> trying to get at by making a film like this? I think the big picture would be maybe the most obvious aspect of the movie. The the little niche things throughout the movie are less obvious, but it it's what is love like the song, but in a way that what is society set up love to be and what do we define it as? Of course, different cultures, different beliefs will define it as different things, but he's speaking from a purely logical standpoint. What is love? Like, what does that look like in relations with other people? Um, and he sees the society that um, enforces its kind of customs on people that, you know, obviously you only have 45 days. We have a shortened life. That's kind of what it represents. And then there's different uh, customs that they have to do. And then you have like, what do people, how do people act within these societies? What do, do these constructs, uh, what are their pros, what are their cons? And it kind of really only shows the cons. Because um, the only true love that comes out of this movie 
sort of is when it's natural when they're in the forest and Rachel Weiss and David, um, you know, kind of like each other because they're both nearsighted. But that's kind of the only love that comes out of it because they don't have those constructs on them. So he's maybe the point he's saying is without the constructs, only true love can form through then because with the constructs, you have the friends. One of them is pretending to have nosebleeds. The other one's pretending to be morbid, you know, his two friends. And those aren't themselves. They were just trying to do that to relate to the other person. So they're forcing love. But the only way to have pure natural love is to take away those constructs and find it, um, find it outside of that. Uh, whether or not you agree, that's what I think that was a point that he was trying to make, like a larger point. Yeah. Uh, as far as wh- why would he take such an absurdist idea to make this movie? And, and I think about it sort of like this. And Zach was describing it well with the construct of you must be in love. But then, also interestingly, not only is the construct removed when they're with the anarchist, but actually it's, it's the, there is a new construct, which is that you can't find love. You must do everything. <laughs> so, so then that almost makes a point that within, that actually in order to force true love to occur, it, there has to be something going against it, like a, a, a point of resistance that's like attacking its formation which i'm again i'm not sure that i completely agree with how that flows but he's using all of these you know very absurd scenarios because i i think what will happen for most people going to this movie they'd be like this is ridiculous what why would this ever happen this doesn't make any sense but they're all they're all tools to to try to uh, for lanthimos to try to make some sort of uh you know critique of society perhaps uh for better or for worse but there's so many yeah like there's so many little things that you can dig apart within and maybe we'll get to some of those um the hotel itself is interesting because when you get there you have to do is it so much emphasis is placed on you have to do things by yourself um and they're supposed to show you that doing things by yourself is ba- as a bad thing. Like you can't do things as well by yourself. Uh, you know, they, there's one scene where they like handcuff his hand behind his back. That way, he has to perform, do everything with one hand. Um, and and that's supposed to be a representation of well, you need two of everything. And then uh, there's uh, the different performances like that they do at dinner. There's like a theater where they just do different things. Like here's a guy, I forget what the guy's doing. I know the one, the girl, she, they actually have the girl walking by herself and then they have somebody, you know, comes out and assaults her. But then when she's with a guy that can't happen because the guy's protecting her. That's sort of the, uh, and there's, oh, and and I think the representation they use for guys is a guy is eating dinner by himself and he starts choking. Um, and then he chokes to death because there's nobody there to help him. Um, but then he's eating with a woman and, and the woman can, you know, perform the Heimlich, uh, and so forth. Um, they're pretty simplistic arguments. And so they're, they'd be pretty easy to pick apart, but most of the people in the hotel are, are just being, you know, constantly reinforced that they must find somebody. Yeah. So that's, and that was on purpose. I think He, he was just saying that society gives the dumbest reasons for these things to be enforced. <clears throat> and I think on top of that, like the, the movie does have like a, a two part to it. You know, it's a, it's a long movie. Like yeah. how long was it? It's, it's two hours. Yeah. So it was like the first half of the movie 
like Rachel Weiss doesn't show up until it says 58 minutes into the movie. So it was like the actual movie was split up into two parts when he's within those societies. And it kind of seems like almost, it, I don't think this was the point, but it almost seems like David just wants what he can't have. Cause when he's, when he's in the, the first society, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have good luck. Um, then he leaves, then he goes to the other society, but then he falls in love. So it's like, um, yeah, but I mean, that's just the point that the director was trying to make, but yeah, I, I, I think, the way that the director was saying it, like he made he made those arguments simplistic to prove that there really aren't great reasons for people to be together. Like the choking, like of course, like who cares? There are but you people. could just be, uh, you know, have some sense of community and not be like completely isolated. And yes, you and you wouldn't choke to death. Now, and you could you could be in a relationship and be eating by yourself still. Like in most in most romantic relationships, there when wouldn't be like a constant presence between the two partners forever like there would be points where for whatever reason one of them is away and the other one's still or they're, they're separated so you wouldn't be able to guarantee that the person would be there so yeah they're, they're not great arguments but they're the arguments that they're being forced to listen to and then we get to the the there is always in this society there's like one thing like you have to have one key thing that links the people together, like a point of connection, uh, which is probably symbolic to like when people talk about getting into a, a relationship, they talk about finding commonality with the other person. So they reduce the commonality to like uh, a nosebleed, like you were saying, and, and or things like that. And so they seem kind of silly, but they're also things that you that, that like naturally occur. So like the the lady naturally has a nosebleed. So now he has to make himself have a nosebleed. And it's like really representing you that this guy's faking it to be in a relationship with this, with this person. And I suppose it's saying that people fake commonality, which is true. You see yeah. that, you see that in everyday life. So I think, I think some of the points he makes are true. Um, yeah, just because, I mean, you could, you could imagine like a middle school, like a group of friends in middle school and one kid like just gets a girlfriend just for, just for the point of getting a girlfriend um, to either brag to his friends to make himself feel better or because he thinks he's supposed to, to be a man, you know? Um, that's probably taking it more seriously than they did. They probably weren't thinking about that in middle school or I was, I don't know. I, but yeah, so I, I think you see that in, <laughs> maybe not even middle school, maybe in, as adults too. Um, but yeah, because being lonely, being alone in our society is seen as a sad thing a lot of times. But there are a lot of people that recognize that it's not always, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know a lot of single people who are happy. So I'm not one of those people, you know, who who says that everybody needs to get married, of course. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I, I do see the argument, but I also see like pros of like... Yes, it's technically a pro that if you're choking, if you have a wife, it'll help. You know, that's technically a pro. But there are better pros than yeah. that out there that I recognize too that weren't pointed out in this film. Yeah. But um, you know, like having a lifelong companion, being able to have someone hold you accountable, going through life with someone, having kids. You know, so there are lots of different things that aren't recognized in this film. But no. that that was intentional so yeah. that he could prove his point of the other side of it. So it's definitely a, a pointed uh, film, kind of like a what was the movie we reviewed with. That was recent. Don't look up, but like not as not as offensive to me, not as like like in my face, you know. Yeah, yeah. This movie is like it's sort of in your face when you think about it about some things, but because it like has everything under the guise of this ridiculous premise, 
it, it takes a little bit more thought to get to some of the like, oh yeah, I can see how he was obviously trying to point that out. Um, but one with with Yorgos Lanthimos, this is consistent throughout. I've watched three of his movies, and I think he's made five or six. So I've seen Dogtooth, The Lobster, and The Killing of a Sacred Deer. And he is very consistent in tone, the tone of his movies. Um, and, and usually they feature uh, somewhat of a removal of human emotion uh, to a degree, uh, a pretty strong degree, I would say. People talk very uh, like straightforward to the point, like unlike most people would actually speak. You know, people say things and the way they say the things that they're saying also with like very little emotion. Um, there's some lines in here that you're, you're kind of like raise your eyebrows a little bit because it's not just that they said it, but they said it with so little <laughs> resistance to what they were saying. Like they weren't expecting anybody to react, you know, uh, like strongly to what they're just saying things as they are, which we don't really do as humans. We know to uh, have a filter and and not and not say things exactly as we might think them as as our original thought was uh, we're smarter than that but in these in these worlds they're not they just kind of get to the point and everything happens in like in like an even consistency so somebody might you know die in the movie or or something traumatic happen and <laughs> and people just kind of are like whatever or like when they get to the loners, there's like a there's like a person who, uh, if they kiss, they find people kissing. They like do this. I don't exactly know what the procedure is, but they they have like tape over their mouths. So they mutilated their 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 mouth somehow. Like like that's the punishment. And they just the the leaders just treat it like well that's how it is. You know? Yeah, but that's not as bad as what the hotel did to the single people who didn't find anybody in forty five days. Yeah, like. In the leading up to the forty-five days, they put John C. Riley's hand in a toaster, right? Just kind of, just kind of making him be like, "Yeah, this is serious." And then they don't they kill the people like it's so it's just like I don't know that they. I'm assuming the people that they hunt they turn into animals. Yeah, which is like not supposed kind to be of as, killing though, but yeah, uh, kind of killing in a way. Uh, although there, this is, I think the reason he does this, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is because there are points where there is emotion and those are like accentuated so for example uh the main character david does try to force a relationship and the person that he decides to force a relationship with the point of commonality is that they're both completely heartless <laughs> so she she uh tried tests him originally by um choking on an olive in a hot tub and he just has to sit there all right he and she's pretending, but he, he's not he doesn't necessarily know that, but he just has to sit there and pretend and not do anything. And then she knows he's like, okay, this guy's heartless because he didn't try to save me. You know, he's just sitting there and doing nothing. Um, but he's obviously faking it. And so she's not done testing him after a little bit into their relationship in which it's a pretty unsatisfying relationship because <laughs> like when you're both heartless, you lose a lot of the, the good things about being in a relationship because you can't really express interest it's more of imagine more of an animalistic relationship where it's like you get like i guess the sole purpose would be reproduction and there's not really much else to or it. to not get turned into an animal or to not get turned into an animal it's yeah it's survival and and uh and so he, he 
you can see him start, like sometimes he he slips up a little bit and then he like covers his tracks. Well, there's one morning where she kills the dog that he brought with him, which is his brother who got turned into a dog, and and he can't hold back. He starts crying and she's like, "You're faking it," <laughs> and you're like, "Holy cow! This lady is is like terrible. She's terrible. She she killed his brother and now she's saying now she's like blaming him for." for being you know fake or whatever and so he uh turns her into an animal <laughs> in response and this Which is, is hilarious like the point that he runs into a hotel and we don't see what animal he turns her into it'd be interesting to think about like what what would be like the worst animal yeah turned into? I, I, I was kind of mad that they didn't reveal that when i watched it the first um <clears throat> probably ah, that's hard i was thinking like a giraffe but those things can swing their necks like to attack, but it would probably be like a cockroach or something because insects <laughs> fall under animalia. So it's just like probably something really weak, like a ladybug. Yeah. So, but even ladybugs are poisonous to other. I don't know. So, what, like, what's something born to die right away? I don't know. Uh, it would have to be the male version of something generally, though, right? True. There's a, some male insects that like really only exist to mate, and then they die. Like uh, praying mantis. Yeah. Probably because they cut off their mates' heads, right? The yeah. Moon. I mean, her being a female praying mantis would fit with her personality. Yeah. So yeah. if he was thinking that way, you know, hmm. I'm not. That would be sort of giving her what she wanted in a in a sense, though. Or a fruit fly, so it only lasts like 14 hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That, I mean, that's what I would choose if I was going to choose the worst animal. But he, he knew what the worst animal was. It was on his mind. But, yeah. So Yeah. And, of course, then we hear him talking to the other people about what animals they would be. And the whole per name of the movie comes from the fact that he would be turned into a lobster. Mm -hmm. The actual line he says was, like, that's why I chose it. He says, lobsters live for over 100 years. They're blue-blooded like aristocrats. And they're fertile all their lives. Which is, like, a fair point. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you're still a lobster. They're still a, like a, I don't know. Are they? They're bottom feeders. Are they, I, I don't. I don't know. They're bottom feeders. That might be more like a um, crawfish or something. I don't know. But the, I mean, it it's just a logical type of thing. You know, there's no emotion in his choice. It's just logical because like, they have the best stats. You know, out of and, the animals. And his friends are like, "That's ridiculous." Yeah. Why but would the, you do that? Doesn't the hotel say that it was good though? But yeah, yeah. they said it was good. The hotel managing staff said it was. It was an excellent choice. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, so I mean, the blue-blooded thing is stupid because, like, it's just the color of your blood. Yeah, um, like, and it's a, even a, a metaphor. Like, uh, aristocrats don't have blue blood, like, actually. Yeah. So, I, just... yeah, I don't know. So, but yeah, it's the choice he made. I mean, if you're gonna turn into an animal, yeah. If I had to choose, I don't know. This is such a dumb question, but if I had to choose. I really don't know. I would not want to be a turtle. I don't want to live a hundred years going so slow. Or a tortoise. Yeah, a tortoise. Yeah. But <clears throat> I don't know. Tortoises I would, have a, a pretty like. Do they really have many predators? They're like vague, and I mean, they they have a lot of protection. And they get to you know just kind of lounge their whole lives. But if, you wouldn't like that, I don't think. No, I think I'd be a, some type of bird. Like a hawk or something. A hawk. Yeah. I think that would be fun because not only do you migrate, but you also, like, you migrate to stay warm. You also get to travel the country. Yeah. You can fly. Um, you're, you know, you're a top predator a lot of times. So. Yeah. So there's not, not really anything, any uh, 
animal that could kill you. The only thing that you're going up against would be like the elements, like everyone else, or bald eagle. Bald eagle. That would be cool. Because the country loves me anyway. So, (laughs) and you're a protected species. Yeah, though I'll be protected. So there's a lot of things. I yeah, I pick bald eagle. Yeah, bald eagle is a good choice. And I'm on the quarter. (laughs) (laughs) You're on the quarter. Oh, (laughs) so so yeah, that would be. What about you? Um, I, I don't know. A bald eagle is definitely a good one. I, I always like end up going to like the large cats, but there's gotta be some sort of like a tiger. Or a, yeah. But the, like those are, would be a pretty normal choice. Like I, I know dog is the one because they relate most to the humans. They're like, everyone decides they want to be a dog. So they're kind of like idiots decide that they want to be dogs. It would be terrible being a house dog. Yeah. Terrible. I mean, you would get love, but you have to be sort of like under somebody's thumb yeah, but you're always either put in a crate or you're left home all day. So you, you're really just laying around half yeah, the day. Yeah, to get so. your, like, 10 minutes of human affection. Yeah. And then they, like, but you're, like, second tier to, like, kids. So. Yeah. You don't you never get to be, like, on an equal playing field. Third tier them. to I kids mean, and iPads. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, maybe there are some people who treat their dogs on the same level as their kids, but those people are a little scary, so. They do scare me. Yeah, so I don't know. What, do you do you have a? Choice? I don't think I have a firm tiger? choice. I, I guess I just go with tiger because kind of similar reason to why you pick. They're top predator. They're very fast and agile. The only thing that would is that I think a lot of tigers are now endangered and they tend to be hunted because people are scared of them, or like you know you have to like sort of mind your yourself around humans because they're more they could be more aggressive towards humans than bald eagles are. So they tend to have a less, uh, you know, positive, uh, always. Like, so you would be afraid of humans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause well, it's not like humans are obviously not a threat other than the fact that they can make really impressive technology without that. They would be, you know, easily consumable uh, other than the, the sheer amount of humans though. Would would also be difficult to overcome, but you get that like top of the top of the food chain, yeah. Kind of like you, and you're like lions get the whole like king of the jungle thing, but tigers are seem a little bit more yeah, less responsibility. Less don't have to run a kingdom. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. You don't have to be like you don't have to like raise your son up uh, and have a baboon like <laughs> Simba. Yeah, I know. But yeah, okay, tiger's good, I guess. But you're not on national currency. That's the only thing. No, so. I mean there might be a national currency that has a tiger on it. Like, do you think- you're not gonna have that though? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Anyway, so I I have a couple Google reviews that I kind of wanted to say. Um, Let's hear what the people think yeah, of this movie. <laughs> I'm not gonna say any names, but you know I've I've learned that uh, Google comments are kind of like TikTok comments. So that so the first one I found was. Utter, utter drivel. It just becomes a contrivance of random moments to try and draw you in, but fails on every count. Not worth time or energy to watch. Wow. I picked these randomly. I'm not searching out bad reviews. The next one was, shoot me now so I can unsee this movie. The next one was, I feel like I've wasted too much time in this day. Next one was, this one I agree with. Complex but simple. Simple but complex. Mm. Kind of. Next one is, not the worst film I've ever seen, but pretty close. <laughs> and then this one is funny. I saw this on a cruise and it made me want to jump ship. <laughs> and the other one was only just started watching. And my biggest concern is for the dog. Um, well, I'm sorry for that person. <laughs> yeah. And then awful. Next time I'll read the reviews and come to the opposite conclusion of the recommendations. 
And yeah, and the other one is <laughs> a dog is stabbed to death and there's a lot of uncomfortable sex stuff. Why do people find this funny? Which I agree with at some, at some level. Yeah, that, that is the thing about this movie is that it is marketed as a black comedy. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know that I really laughed that much during this movie because I think I went in expecting the absurdist parts. So like they, I think some of the laughter is more like uncomfortable laughter like you're laughing because of the shock of what's happening yeah it's awkward it's awkward yeah and so you're not necessarily it's not like belly laughter where you think like oh this is so hilarious and nobody's it's not like a talladega nights nobody would ever compare the movies but but uh yeah i guess that's what black comedies are supposed to be but then uh you mentioned don't look up that's supposed to be a black comedy but like it doesn't feel like this movie at all yeah you know you you can kind of the one the the comedies where you're cringing to watch um, are less funny to me, but then you have like exceptions like The Office or, you know, some parts of Don't Look Up were funny. Yeah. But th- this wasn't, I think the strong suit was definitely not humor. Um, no. I think the strong suit was the messages and the acting. And I think also the intrigue of the story kept, let me keep watching. I did get very bored in a lot of parts. I'm not going to lie. So I wouldn't rank this very high just because of my experience with it. But I, I think the points it's making are important. But, you know, not many people go to movies to get something important out of them, you know? But you know who does? You. The critics who review the <laughs> stuff on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Which is maybe why, like, in order, in order to pick... Maybe this is more about movie selection. Like, all those six people are probably fairly representative of the, the people of Google and, like, the general movie-going population. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they're going to this movie being like, I want to be entertained. But unless you're, like... You find this stuff entertaining, which like, yeah, I, I find thinking about this sort of thing entertaining because I think I, I like to think about complex problems, but it's nice to think about complex problems that don't like directly interact with my life. So it's still a weird form of escapism. It's just a little bit more. It's just different than other people yeah, I don't experience want, it. I don't want to watch a movie that points out like, like, like. I don't know. I don't even know if it pointed anything out specifically, but in general, I don't want to, you know, I, I think I said this in Don't Look Up, where it was, I want to watch a movie to sometimes escape from the harshness of reality, which isn't a healthy way to deal with things. But still, sometimes you watch a movie to have that good experience of, of, of escaping. But then when you get parallels of like COVID and like politics in a movie, not not in this movie, but in Don't Look Up, that that's not that's not what you went in for it's like i already get this 24 7 on the on the news and on my in my classes everywhere so it's like with this movie it was less like that but it for someone who was struggling with that which so many people are especially now with the modern technology people are being isolated they're lonely and everything oh man if you we could have a whole outside the vault on like the dating culture and like how just completely messed up our society is like technology was supposed to make everything easier, but it's really just made everything much harder because of how people are using it. I'd like, say relationally. Yeah. But like you know, when you're talking about health, like healthcare, you're talking about um, you know communication. Oh yeah. Like that. Well, there's incredible. technology is. Uh, I guess you could describe technology as a neutral thing, and how people decide to use it yeah. is more or less, you know, the results that you're going to get. It certainly has helped extend how long we can live and how easily we can become interconnected. But when it comes to uh, romantic relationships, it almost seems like it's become this, like it's, it's this interface that's between people. And oh, there's so many different directions you can go with, like 
now people have like too many options. They have like options overload. They don't know how to how to pick somebody. They almost need to go back to the lobster and just pick somebody. <laughs> We're both nearsighted, so we obviously are meant to be together. Like, <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Like, uh, and, and and then the people come become really jaded, and then you get the alpha male community and who's like alpha super male. jaded. Uh, anybody who calls them an alpha male is like really overcompensating. So that's how you know any alpha male really says easy, they are a beta. It's a really easy litmus test because uh, yeah, if somebody says they're an alpha male, that probably means that they were at one point and now they're really really trying to be really hard <laughs> that's stupid but you're i think you're right though but i i've i've uh i've interacted with that uh, like gone down the youtube rabbit holes enough just like out of curiosity that i i can see it's it's so weird how how it how it messes with people's heads and they get into these echo chambers and I don't even think that, that the lobster's necessarily even getting at that, but they're, they're more just saying, like, you know, why does society put so much value on this? Um, but at the same time, like, the ending's a little confusing, right? Because it's like... Well, it, it kind of leaves it up to you. Yeah. Like, whether or not you think that love is real, almost. Because they, like... I mean, they lost... I mean, she... Uh, Rachel Weiss. I don't think they ever yeah. say her name. She's, like, the narrator. Yes, um, she lost her vision because, like, maliciously, she was like maliciously, you know, attacked for loving someone. She lost her vision, and so then she loses the thing. And then intent with that, which the leader of the loners is like sadistic because she she doesn't like directly kill people, but what she does is she like takes the thing that they want the most and she like twists it. She does it with the hotel manager by like she she forces at gunpoint the guy to say that he doesn't love his wife and then she gives him a gun and says okay you don't love her so shoot her and you'll live and then there's no bullets in the gun well that's in a and now she's makes them okay you still have to live together and pretend that you love each other now you like there's like factual information that you don't love each other because this guy acted in this way and then she's trying to do the same thing with the with the eyes by blinding the narrator but instead, what Colin Farrell's uh, character decides to do is to blind himself, which is like ex- extremely uncomfortable final sequence where he's has a knife and he's going to stab <coughs> his eye with the knife. And obviously, fortunately, they don't let you see that. But I mean, they don't actually. Do you say unfortunately or fortunately? Fortunately, fortunately. <laughs> I didn't want to see it. I can already <laughs> feel the pain. Unfortunately. <laughs> I wanted to see it. You have to go to other movies if you want to see that sort of stuff. If you want to go in a movie, just... I don't know. It's, it's, that, that's just a weird reason to want to watch a movie. The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. Or like Hostel or Saw. Yeah, Saw. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Saw movies is, that I have seen. Ben, you should watch Saw. I have seen Saw. You gotta push your I've seen it. Saw and Saw 2. Okay. Okay, you're right. Yeah. You yeah. gotta watch all nine though. I know. I haven't made the it. The ninth one just came out this year. I've heard... Don't they get like gorier in every <clears> single one? Uh... Kind of. The second one's super They're gory. really campy, though. Yeah. That's the thing about, like, a lot of times the really gory movies are, like, they're, they're like, there's, like, a campy kind of gore. So, like, I guess that's the saving grace is that, like, it doesn't necessarily look realistic because it's, like, practical effects and stuff. Yeah. And then they put Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson in there. So it's just randomness. Yeah. And Saw is so random now. Anyway, but, yeah, I I think I agree with you. Um, but... Yeah, like the choice itself of 
whether or not he was going to blind himself. You know, was he going to do it for her? Was he not? He's even like he was contemplating is love even real? He's contemplating that. Yeah. Colin, Colin Farrell is. And also, note, we did a movie about Colin Farrell last two weeks ago, too. As the Penguin, movie. I don't think we ever... I did at least didn't acknowledge that he played the Penguin. Yeah. Because I don't think I even realized that he played the Penguin. Like, yeah. He, he had, looks much different. He had so many prosthetics, and he didn't sound like So, Colin actually, Farrell. Colin Farrell gained 40 pounds for the lobster. Oh, he gained 40. Yeah, that's the thing. I saw him in an interview, and I was like, this guy... He looks way skinnier. I was mm-hmm. like, you... In, in the lobster, he's like sort of a, he's he's not overweight, but he's probably getting there. Well, then he's even bigger as the penguin, so I don't know I don't know what he did there. I think that's I think that was more prosthetics. I you think. think okay. Now, I could be because I think I saw an interview of him and he did not look like yeah he looked like he was a lot more in shape. Well, he's gonna have to do that in every episode of his new TV series. So wait, what? Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, HBO Max. Uh, the penguin. Yeah, Colin Farrell. He's he's an interesting. I mean, he's a good talent. Um, I've, I mean, the first movie I can remember watching him in is Minority Report, which is a, a good movie. He plays like the, he's like a side character more or less, but he's still kind of important to the plot. And then he's in two Yorgos, and he's in The Killing of the Sacred Deer, which is another, that I would say that movie is like on another level from this movie. And ter- like Dogtooth, I would never not recommend anyone. It's really <laughs> uncomfortable, like way more uncomfortable than this movie and really weird. Um, and but it does still have the same sort of like dystopian society vibe of like people forcing people into doing things and they don't understand that they're being forced and then they start to and all of that the killing of the sacred deer is more of a like thriller mystery sort of intrigue movie but it has the same like tonally it's very similar uh with with how people talk and so forth I do want to mention, there's really no way to put this in that makes sense, but you should still get in contact with Hedman, Agent A- Hedman Anglin <laughs> Agency if you want insurance. Uh, we're back in the Hedman Anglin Studios, and we really appreciate We're call- We're dubbing it the Hedman Anglin Studios um, <laughs> officially, and we really appreciate uh, like every everything that they've done to provide for us a space and to just kind of just say we want to come over at this time and do it and they're they're really cool about it and let us uh use uh their equipment and so if you want to save money on auto home and business insurance call 614-486-7300 that's 614-486-7300 and make sure to tell them that ben and zach sent you our offer still on the table for the cardboard cutout so i forgot about that (laughs) (laughs) we want people to act on this um we will legit get cardboard cutouts yeah we will. We're not kidding. And we're gonna get ourselves some too. Yeah, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep Ben's. I'll keep mine. I think for the question. So did you see that? Like on Spotify now, you can put like a question. Yeah, we can. We put up a poll, right? Yeah, you we put, put up a poll Batman. and questions. We might. There might not really be a good poll for this week. But did we'll, you watch this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll probably put like a a, a questionnaire of like, um, <clears throat> if you could turn, if you had to turn yourself into an animal what what would you turn yourself into because i'd be curious to see uh what other people had to oh, say about that we should we should tell people the poll results from oh yeah we one. should i think that's um, a good idea to add yeah so oh, let's see what's the best way to do this i think we can just go to anchor well while you're waiting i also had another crazy thing that most movies don't even do so actually this movie the production of it was almost it said i found this online so hopefully it's true uh was almost entirely done in natural light with no makeup Wow. 
so like that's crazy because they were in the forest and in the forest like that's different lighting that takes a lot of different things to go on with that so imagine filming that and getting the light you know right with that without um uh extra lights and then also like in the hotels like in the dark scenes and everything like that like you just had natural light there so it was like kind of crazy i mean i don't know how the inners and outers are for uh, lighting and makeup i mean i hope i never do but it, it's kind of i think that's i think that's impressive to give it more of the the i don't know natural feel because this movie yeah. felt very natural but like also very unnatural and that's why when you i think when you watch the movie you're like wow this looks different than other movies and that would explain it like if they did film it in natural light that would give it definitely a a different uh view the cinematography is it's fairly fairly standard i would say but there's definitely some interesting shots and the way it's edited i think is pretty is pretty interesting too i think it points it cuts in like very deliberate and often like turns yeah i wasn't i didn't like it that much for the cuts yeah i think it could maybe be a little um more cinematic yeah i suppose but that that wasn't really what they were going for i know i know uh, so this is something that I've heard people talk about a lot, but for our poll, we said, which Batman movie is the best? And I think we got like 10 responses, but uh, we're obviously, uh, our crowd tends to be more Nolan centric because mm. Nolan's movies were the only ones that got votes. The, um, the Batman didn't get any votes. The Batman's gotten, they got no votes for being the best. Batman 1989 also did not get any votes for being the best. Well, I'm glad. Uh, did you not like that? No, it, like comparatively. I mean, comparatively, I feel like that's the thing about ranking movies is that like, how do you even compare Batman 1989 to like the current Batman? You don't just kick it off the pole at that point. <laughs> we also threw in the Lego Batman movie for fun. Yeah, I, that I did. Did anyone vote for that? <laughs> Nobody voted for that. Thank goodness. I, I swear, I, Will Arnett. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like somebody would have voted for it. But anyway, so uh, I think maybe one person voted for it. Uh, yes, that would make sense. Uh, so one person voted for The Dark Knight Rises. I don't know how you can argue that that is the best Batman movie. It is not not the best <laughs> Batman movie. It's very messy. Uh, I'd like to watch it again. I think we're part. My plan is for the summer, as part of like it seems like a summer thing to do, is to review all three of the Nolan Batmans. We might not do them all like back to back to back, but at least hit all three. But of we them. might. But we might. We'll see what we do. Um, and. I just don't think you can make an argument. I think you can make an argument that's not as bad as some people would say it is, but I still don't think it's the best. So it really comes down to Batman Begins versus The Dark Knight, which Batman Begins got three votes, so 30%, and The Dark Knight got six votes at 60%. So The Dark Knight traditionally would be the movie that people would say is the best Batman. Those were, So only the Christopher Nolan trilogy was voted for? Yes. Oh. None of the other ones. Now... I heard other people, I was listening to another podcast where they were ranking, and they threw in, like, I haven't watched Batman Returns or Batman Forever or Batman and Robin. I know it's Batman and Robin is probably considered the worst. Well, those are fun movies. Those aren't, like, yeah. great movies, but they're fun. You know? Yeah, and I, and I want to watch them. I think I started watching Batman Returns at one point. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're way more, like, comic booky, like, campy sort of things because the first two are, like, Tim Burton movies, which... Everyone knows Tim Burton's like a kook. He kind of <laughs> he kind of does things, you know, his way. Uh, and and so I think the the other ones we were throwing in there were like Batman: Mask of Phantasm, which is like a theatrically released animated movie, 
related to the Batman the animated series. Well, then you also have you know like the Killing Joke. Like you have all those cool yeah, animated movies. Yeah, I don't think they movies. were counting those because they weren't theatrically released but i think i've heard some of those are like very good like the killing mm-hmm. joke especially i've heard is good i started watching a few of those on it so i don't have it anymore we had it actually right yeah HBO we had max. HBO max and yeah i didn't even say what it was uh but it was it was cool actually i think i think the batman animated stuff is like actually really good comparatively yeah. to other animated superhero shows that are out there um, yeah especially what if i think there's rumors I've heard that Matt Reeves is doing some sort of Batman animated thing. Matt Reeves uh, is helping direct the Penguin. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Matt Reeves is going to have his 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 little fingers involved in all of this. His little fingers. <laughs> I, I saw him talk, and I was like, I, for some reason, his voice didn't sound how I expected him to sound. Is his voice in lowercase letters? No. That's no. what people say. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that would be a good way to describe it. I was very unfamiliar with Matt Reeves before he made the Batman, though. Um, so, yeah, the Dark Knight. Now, the argument against the Dark Knight, I think, comes back to something that we... we uh, this will be an argument forever. I yeah, can already tell. That, that we talked about last episode was that, like, the Dark Knight's not... Doesn't feel as much like a Batman movie as it does a Joker movie or, like, a, a, a crime movie. Or... It's like a movie, you know? That was the thing. That was why it was game-changing, was it was, like, not just about Batman... So they really tried to, in the new Batman, make it all about Batman. Like, Batman was in almost every scene, and he was barely Bruce Wayne, and all of that stuff. Um, but Batman Begins is also, an in- there's an interesting argument to be made, because of it's fascinating. It's got to be one of the best origin stories. I voted for that one. Really? Mm-hmm. Be- and we'll talk about this when we actually review it, be- because... Um, the, the idea of fear being the driving force and like him becoming his fear, I think is like one of the most interesting things they did with the Batman character, like just that I've seen. So that's that's a recap of the poll. Uh, we also asked a question, which we'll probably ask a question this week, like I said. Uh, it's what would you rate the Batman out of 10? Uh, Josh, who was on the podcast, gave it an 8. I, who, who was also on the podcast. Wait, there's another question? Gave it an 8. Yeah, there's another one. Um, it was just the rating. And then we had two people uh, give their opinion. So I want to give a shout out to... So this is... Uh, I don't know him personally, uh, but I believe his first name is Jaden. So, uh, and he and somebody that I do know named Ike started a podcast called The Gotham Geeks. And if you really want to delve into the world of Batman, I would recommend listening to their, their podcast. I believe they have... Six episodes out. Um, they're on Spotify and YouTube. So check out the Gotham Geeks. He said 10 out of 10, and he believes it's a masterpiece. And these, I would say, are, are more solid authorities on, on the subject of Batman. Uh, and I've probably spent more time interacting with, with Batman. Zach and I tend to cover a lot of bases. But also, probably, Zach and I are more in the Marvel world than we are in the DC world. So um, if you want a, a perspective from more pro dc fans um then i would go to the gotham geeks to hear that and then our friend esteban gave it a nine 9.2 so where do you see that is it on anchor maybe maybe it's just I, I they just added this feature so i don't know there's sometimes like if the app hasn't updated or, uh, or something okay. or maybe it's just on the computer version of spotify okay anyway i mean that's an off offcast question anyway yeah we just do all of our business on here <laughs> <clears throat> little did, does everyone know this is the only time that zach and i talk outside of this <laughs> probably <laughs> that's almost realistic yes the busy life of podcasters yep who podcasting isn't their full-time job <laughs> unfortunately yeah. sometimes i wish it was it would be it would be a nicer like it would be a more chill 
lifestyle. Yeah. I'm not, I haven't, I haven't fully figured out whether it would be as fulfilling of a lifestyle. I think it would be as fulfilling as you could, as you would make it. Well, that's, yeah, yeah. It, the more work you put into it, then so you could do different, yeah, different shows and stuff like that and do something that you want to do, you know. Not that I yeah. don't want to do this. This is what we want to do, but anyway. Yeah. I'm not trying to secretly say something. <laughs> Please listen. No. Please listen. Yeah, get us out of uh, the current fields that we're in and pull yeah. us into here. Force us to be, to do this full time. Yes, as society. Yeah, we, we are we, stuck in society. We deserve it. We deserve it. Ben and I are stuck in society. We're stuck in society. So help society us be like this telling movie. us to take a pragmatic route and get a good career where you make uh, a limited but steady amount of money and you invest that money and then you retire <laughs> when you're 65 <laughs> and then you travel the world until you get some sort of disease and then you, <laughs> <laughs> and then you die. <laughs> until you get some sort of... And that's like the most ideal way that it could happen. In your sleep, yeah. Yeah, maybe Your Ghost Life the Most could make a movie about like the American dream or like... Well, there's already a lot of movies about that's that. true he, he he doesn't he's not even from america though, so, he wouldn't have, <laughs> <laughs> so he wouldn't have a good perspective on the american dream yeah. so i guess we're bringing back ratings i think but we'll just do it out of 10 and we'll just it'll just be kind of like it'll be based off of our feelings yeah yeah and and so i would give this movie i'm gonna mostly base stuff off of my letterbox ratings i think i i i give this a, a four out of five on letterbox so that would be an eight out of ten whoa um, I, I am trying to go through my letterbox and maybe be a little bit more harsh because as I watch more movies, it becomes they're like this happened. Like there was a greater number of four stars, and I was like, not all of these do I now consider four stars because I have more to compare it to. But like I said, it's kind of based on my feelings. Uh, eight out of ten, just great filming style. Uh, you know, very very interesting premise. Something that I'm drawn to in terms of like how intriguing and you know it won the jury award because of how it inquired and pushed the boundaries inquirious it. it is it inquirious and pushed the boundaries of film and that's that's something that i like and then i had that you know the the most important aspect to me the ambiguous ending um you just love being subjective huh i i love thing i love art being subjective i don't want it to necessarily tell me exactly how i should feel because if it did i feel like i would have more problems with the movie if it was like you have to think this way it's and definitely I, trying to push you in a direction, which maybe we should end the podcast talking about that. But give your, your 6.4, 6.4 Minecraft number. But I, I think I think <clears throat> that comes from I didn't enjoy it that much, but I like it. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, what is it like? You know, like you 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 like a roller coaster. You go on a roller coaster. You love the roller coaster, but the line was six hours. You know. Yeah. Um. So, but you still enjoyed the experience. You're glad you did it, but. You know, you don't want to do it until next summer. Right. You, know? because, you don't want to wait in that six-hour line again. Yeah. You'd rather ride other... You get more... You go get more quantity. And tickets to Cedar Point are like $45. And, you know, especially in the That's summer, the it's so end. busy. Like, And I got a sub there once, and it was like $34 for a Subway sub. I was so I mad. I think I spent like $17 on Panda Express. Yeah, that's half of what I... <laughs> I... I was so mad. I was like, like individually for each, like here's $3 for lettuce, $3 no, for it was $17 for a half for a six inch. Oh, my so God. then I got well, a foot long and being they, dumb. Yeah. The reason they do that is because they have a monopoly on all the food. So I know, it's just, like Disney world. Yeah. Oh man. But Disney world you can't go out of the park very easily. So yeah, it would take you like two hours to drive to the subway and send us Cause it's so isolated. <laughs> They isolate it for a reason, it's, so you it, have to. I mean, see your point, especially because it's literally in a like peninsula. Like, well, luckily, it's Kings Island isn't that far, 
So you can just be like, ah, I'm gonna go to Kings Island instead. Yeah, but their food, which is almost too. as good. Yeah, like I mean, us, Diamondback, us, right? Us in Ohio are really spoiled because to us, like Kings Island's like a B tier amusement park because of Cedar Point. But like to almost any other state, Kings Island would be like an exceptional amusement park. Like Cedar A-tier. Point is incredible. Cedar Point's just that good. So if you ever make it over to Ohio, it's a really depressing state. There's a lot of things not going well for it. <laughs> But people move. Here. I say that lovingly because I love. I do love Ohio. Columbus is an expanding area. You no, know? Columbus is one of the only places that is has lots of things going for it. So yeah. if I mean, there's that. If you want to move to Columbus, Columbus is great. I mean, we're getting the Intel plant um, that's coming in. There's a lot of moving and shaking happening in the capital. Crime rates are increasing, so we got that going for us, especially on OSU campus. Um, yeah. Uh, other cities I've heard maybe there's a bit of a resurgence uh, Cincinnati might not be so bad uh, but there's definitely a fair amount of cities on the decline your Dayton's your Youngstown's Toledo. your Akron's uh, Cleveland has uh, I mean perhaps I mean there's nice areas of all of these places but I'm talking generally the whole area um, and because that's because Ohio is more of a, a blue collar state and a lot of blue collar industries have been hit hard and plants have moved and that has not boded well. And then we got the opioid epidemic, and there's just all sorts of problems. Lots of drug problems in Ohio. There are, yeah. There definitely are. <laughs> we, I mean, we get taught about that when we're little in school and stuff like that about Ohio. But anyway, they had people come and talk to us. About yeah. Anyway, that's a really depressing. That was a really, I mean, I guess that's the mood that this movie puts you yeah. in. Uh, so, yeah. Do, do you think that the conclusions no, I that this movie comes no. to are helpful no. or beneficial or yes helpful helpful but not beneficial you know when so you know when you're you learn you learn something new and you learn the critiques of it before you learn the content of it i know that's really abstract but like if you're learning if you're learning a new science concept but then you learn you have to learn the theories that led up to it. Like if you're learning about the atom, you have to learn about Dalton and Rutherford and, you know, Milliken and stuff like that and Bohr. And you have to kind of learn about why you're learning about it. I think that applies to this movie very abstractly because <laughs> I think that critiques, learning about critiques are, are helpful to discovering truth to the fuller extent. And that can be in any area of life, you know, yeah. even if someone is completely wrong and so dumb, they can make you think about something about what you believe, you know? And I think, you know, I, of course, like, of course I'm pro-marriage. Like, it's great. You know, it's a God established. It's everything like that. But then you also have like terrible marriages out there, but you know, like <clears throat> that could have been avoided potentially. Yeah. Ahead of time. Yeah. And like just forethought. So marriage really is a forethought game, uh, a planning game, a preparing game, um, a game of discipline and also of patience and on love. But you know, Love is a isn't just a feeling; it's a commitment as well. Um, and I think I think this movie kind of says that there is a chance that love just doesn't exist. And I don't think that's true at all. I think love exists. Yeah, I think it is kind of arguing that, yeah. right? Like if you because it's stripping everything away except for love, and then it's kind of arguing that well, ninety nine percent of love is like contrived, and it's just like two people trying to use each other to get to an end, which is why so many marriages fail because once the end is met then you're like well what's the point of this why are we doing this yeah i mean we're like when i was little i was told 50 percent of marriages end in divorce in in, in america yeah and now it's at it's over 60 yeah just in my lifetime well i actually think 
the divorce have heard varying things. The divorce rate might be falling, but that's a little misleading because I think less people are getting married. That's true. Yeah, um, and that's that too. So, it's so just, that's not which it means they're solving the problem in a way that makes it a new problem. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> and you know, th- this gets into a lot of different things, but really, if I'm going to focus on this movie, I'm going to say that. I, I do think love is an objective thing. That is a commitment. You know, it's a commitment to loving each other and to, you know, eventually if, if, if you feel called to have kids and stuff like that. And I don't think this movie describes that like a conclusion in that way. But also I think that this movie does point out helpful things, as I said, you know, learning the theories and learning the critiques before the actual concept. I think that this movie points out that specifically within the society that we live in, and I can't speak about other societies, but in the American culture and everything like that, there are a, it is a means to an end. Like you are trying to just get married for the fact of let's have offspring. You know, I feel a desire to get married, so I won't be lonely, so we can be well financially. Um, you know, and you know, and even you know, for lust and stuff like that. Lots of people just do it um, for those reasons and not the actual reasons. You know, that are supposed to be there. So yeah, that's right. what I would say. But and then there's also people that can be single. So I think that's great too. Um, so I think that movie points that out. Like. Not everyone has to be married. This yeah. isn't. This is. It polarizes it, so it's like there should be this middle ground where it's like, yes, people can be married and be happy. You can't force everyone to be single. That wouldn't really make sense because that's what the loners are doing. But also, if you force everyone to be married, then you're gonna force people to start faking things and those and they're building their marriages on foundations that are not sustainable. Um, and you can't be surprised when those marriages fall apart. Yeah, and I mean, I say this. I'm not just saying this whimsically. You know, this is stuff that's been proven, and I've seen it in other people's lives and in mine. So, I mean, if you disagree, email uh, or talk email to Email themovievaultpod at gmail.com. Because Please. critiques help, you know? That's what yeah. I think. I'll make a critique of the movie vault while you're at it. Yeah, a five-star critique. <laughs> hey, they do have ratings on Spotify yeah, now. ratings on Spotify now. So hit the, hit the five-star button. It's literally the easiest thing you could do. Yeah. Um, and it helps us. You wouldn't believe how much it would help us. A thousand percent. Yeah. Think about it. You have a big assignment we could tonight. Land a deal with Spotify for a hundred million dollars, just like Joe Rogan. That's crazy. And that's just by every individual just hitting that five star. He had a hundred million. hundred million. Oh my goodness. <laughs> of course, he also has the biggest podcast in the entire world. So it's a bad comparison. They've given other people less money for exclusive deals. Actors don't make that much. No, it's crazy. Robert Downey Jr. That's a hundred million. Doesn't make. I don't that know much. how that deal works. Like, is a hundred million at like one time? Do you just get like hundred million dollars? Like, that's crazy. I'm assuming he's also still making money on top of the hundred million. Oh my goodness. The thing, and the thing I can't even. Im- yeah, <laughs> that's like Jeff Bezos's Saturday, though. That's the thing. So it really is dependent. And that's just a comedian that who decided to get a mic out. 12 years ago. Yeah. I don't even think he's that good. I mean, he's good, but I don't... <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. He's kind of, he's kind of, yeah. Regular guy. He's kind of a regular guy. That's why so many people listen to him. He resonates with the general public. Man, I'm really jealous right now. <laughs> that's crazy. Wait till the Joe Rogan movie comes out. We're, we're, we're going to review that movie. Who would play Joe Rogan? Uh, the Rock. The Rock. <laughs> I always say The Rock for who would play. I feel like in a weird way, do you know who Dana White is? He's like the MMA founder, and uh, and Joe Rogan's also an MMA announcer, and they look they they both look very similar. I feel like maybe it's just because they're both bald, but if he, I don't think he's not even an actor, so he could, and he's probably older than Joe Rogan. Oh wow, he does look like him. Dana I think White. he's a lot taller, or something. Okay, yeah, he's a little bit older too. Jeez, but or um, Vin Diesel. 
Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel could play him. Just playing the, the Fast and the Furious cast. Yeah. I mean, I think they're... Oh, wait. That, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What what would other bold actors... I mean, technically, they don't have to be Jason bold. Statham. Jason, no, Jason Statham could actually work, I think. Because the problem is, like, Vin Diesel and The Rock don't share the same ethnicity as Joe Rogan, which, like, wouldn't be that important in, like, most movies. But if you're trying to make, like, a realistic portrayal biopic, of it, yeah. biopic that most people would be like, well, that... Doesn't exactly make sense because that would like change how you portray the story. I was just thinking. I was just thinking bald guys. <laughs> bald guys. Yeah, Jason Jason Statham, Statham Statham could probably do it, or any number of guys who are like kind of built. Yeah. Or just have Christian Bale at like work out and put on a bunch of weight. Or have um, what's this guy? What was the guy that we were just talking about? What's his name again? <laughs> oh, Colin Farrell. Yeah, just have him lose a lot of weight. <laughs> just have him lose a lot yeah. of weight, and. Oh, build a lot of muscle, though. Yeah. Joe Rogan's kind of, he's kind of ripped. All right. With that, uh, we're going to close the vault. Um, and next week, we are going to have our 50th episode. Huge, uh, huge milestone for our podcast. Now, I was thinking about it, and in some ways, it's like, you know, it's crazy that we've made it to 50 episodes. On the other hand, it did take us like a year and a half to get to 50 episodes but it doesn't feel like that long no it doesn't which is makes it's kind of crazy how fast time goes by but it makes sense we took a, sort of a six month sabbatical so that would like the the numbers add up keep our fans on the edge of their seat right to, to where it would make sense that it goes that way so um yeah look forward to that and uh i'm i'm gonna close the vault i'm gonna flap my eagle wings for it. <laughs>